You are now listening to the hottest true crime podcast in the streets. Hello and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder, the Equal Opportunity True Crime Comedy Podcast. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Franco Evans. Oh yes, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Yeah, man, I'm the mailman. Can't you tell, man? Gonna post it. What up, Fran? It is the last month of 2022. Two T E W two. 2022 what a year it's been fran uh a lot of highlights have you going this is this early i mean yeah we have to get into it. i, mean, I just want to talk about the year like oh, the, okay. the year looking back on it we went to vegas had a great time crime yeah. con 2022 was yeah, fantastic man. um one of us uh went ha- had an appearance on a, a fun podcast had a great time you will be <sighs> yeah, sure. you will be invited back in the future 2023 is looking up and looking bright i would hope so and, man and um you know the patreon is doing great please you know feel free to join over there to kick off the year if you want to get yourself your new year's resolution should be join the patreon yeah, that'd be my recommendation with that. so get on that and uh yeah i just felt like it's been a, a great year how how do you feel that the year has gone do you feel like it flew by what are some oh, highlights yes, of yours what it was very fast. I feel like it's always like every year is like that though. You down to the end. Like well, you have kids. And so you have this like representation mm-hmm. of time that I feel like is different than mine. No, I I I would disagree with that. Really? I feel like every year is always like for anybody. When we hit when we hit when we hit September is like, damn. Sure, okay. It's almost fucking I'd agree with that kind of. But here's the thing. For me, this year I've had a I feel like I've had a this has been a year of a lot of growth for me. And so I don't feel like it flew by because I feel like I learned so much about myself and what I want out of life and so many highs and lows and good moments and bad moments that it doesn't feel like they it does. This year doesn't feel like a blur to me. Now, I would say the past few years feel like a a blur. So I would agree with you in that sense. Like they typically do feel like a blur. Yeah. But 2022 specifically for me because of a a flurry of life changes, Mm -hmm. I this year did not fly by for me, you know, personally. But I understand what you're saying about. Yeah, I've had many a year in my life that felt like it just flew by. Like, where did the time go? Yeah. But this year for me was, like, different. What about for you? Now, do you, dis- you disagree with my, my theory about the kids thing? I, don't, I never looked at my kids when, like, as they get older. I'm, I'm, obviously, yeah, you're getting older, too. But it's uh-huh. like, I never look at them and go, like, damn, I'm fucking. Somebody's right in front of me that's growing, and that means I'm getting older as well. I never looked at it that way. Interesting. And I feel like looking at it that way, it's kind of yeah. depressing. <laughs> and I don't like that. So I was sure. like, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm avoiding myself from taken that way well i am famously a bummer man so that that, yeah. that is a, that's yeah that's my outlook and that's how i see it i'm like yeah man this this kid in front he's kind of like sucking the life out of you so as they grow stronger and bigger and taller and play basketball you get more weak and feeble and then eventually they can dominate you that day will come one day where max sure will be able to take you man it's right now it's cute it's a little small whatever and, but someday's gonna be like yo dad man give me your driver's license unless unless you can't drive i anymore. doubt it because unless he's six feet tall or you think you still take my it? kids are going to be skinny. It's oh, not, okay. it's, well, then it's a fair fight. You're skinny too. All right, then I'll, Y'all get, I'll get the. I'll, I'll, I'll come I'll, over okay, with the. And then I have wisdom. <laughs> Fighting wisdom. Yes, I have wisdom. I'll come over with the, the with the head with the man strength, those little man. those ear pad things, and I'll put y'all both in those little unitards. And I'll be like, I'm, y'all want y'all to Greco Roman wrestle. You don't want no problem. And you think you out wrestle him with your with your wisdom? You don't want no problem. Man. Okay, we'll leave it at that. Now, Fran, 
another thing that happened this week, we're uh, recording this a little bit earlier before the uh, release of the episode, but the Spotify year in wrap up came out. It's always such a fun thing to do. Everybody shares theirs. I enjoy it. It's fun. Just kind of look back on your musical taste for the year. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you, what's one song that came up for you that was like a big song for you? You listened to it a lot, whether it was like you know, just a mood changer, whatever it was. Like, what's a year, what's the song that popped up on your on your year in rap that, like, you had a heavy rotation? Yeah, on mine was, uh, since on Spotify, I'm not a big user of Spotify. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to switch it up. Because I think, because I use, a- should, I use I love Apple it. Music because I, like, I, I was like, it's I'm Apple, have iPhone. Yeah, yeah. iPhone, so I feel like I should be using that. Sure, right? absolutely. Um, but either, it don't even matter which one because you pay for both of them. But exactly. anyway, uh, a song for me is, it was a song by this dude named Smino. It's called Smino. 90 Proof, right? Okay. And I, I found him on um, Colors. Oh, he had a Colors, he had uh, colors video? And he had YouTube? this crazy hair. And I was yeah. Because like, I, cause I, sometimes I'll just be chilling. I'll go in there and look and see what artists is on there. Because I like to find new artists. Mm-hmm. And then he was on there and he had like this. He had braids, but they were like tied into like little bushes at the end. Oh, like, okay. Yeah, he's, then, he's a uh, unique, unique looking guy. Yeah, and then the song he did was nice. And then when I found this song, just like looking on just a regular playlist, and then that song came out. I, like, oh, I like the beat because I'm more of a. You like you the production? Know, I like production. I like the music. It's music than it's lyrics for me. Yes. If the music don't hit, then I go. I'm kind of can't out get involved song. in it. Shitty beat, you're out. Yeah, unless it's like one of the artists like Drake. Unless it's an artist that I've been listening to a long time where I can go like I give it, it a chance. I yeah. can just the the lyrics is just crazy. Where yeah. I can just yeah, but you so, like some instrumentation. Yeah, so it's mm-hmm. like yeah. so this that song the beat, I really like the beat, and then like it has J Cole who's one of my favorite artists in it, mm-hmm. and then in his verse. Uh, what I like about artists is where they can. They are dabbing to different ways they can flow. Uh huh. So in this song, he kind of like set him just rapping. He's kind of like harmonizing the, yes. the lyrics. And I feel like when people do that, it's more of them being having the versatility of going like, "Oh, this beat yes requires this flow artistry and can change how they usually rap into whatever the beat." Whatever I'm not beat just gonna do the same with. thing. Yeah. So yeah. like, and then that, and I was like, it was just it just he it, did all of that on this one. It, song. He did all that in one song, and then it was like. It was kind of like he made the song first, yep. the lyrics first, and then made the beat. Yeah. I like when I hear songs like that because I sure. feel like, because it's just where like, the beat is flowing the with, place it, with the words. It's perfectly in like, sync. It's perfectly in yeah. sync where it's like, did they write the lyrics before they made the beat? So right. it's like, so that the beat one, stops and lets this part go. So it's silent while it's, it's he perfect. says this part. It's perfect. Yeah. And yeah. then a couple lyrics he has in there where he's like, uh, he goes, actually, this is the part that's one now, where he goes, um, he's not into the cameras. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's low in Los Angeles and he might, well, might as well be in Canada. Mm. My favorite part. My favorite part. Because he's like, because that's how J. Cole is. Yeah. That's him. Yeah. He's like, he's not Humble in guy. headlines. Yeah, you and J. Cole, you might be the J. Cole of podcast. Yeah, he's not in headlines. He's yeah. not out here going crazy, not doing nothing crazy. He just comes in, does his he numbers, and goes home. Yeah, man. And he's yeah. respected for that in the, in the rap industry and the music industry. So you that's might, why yeah, you might be the J. Cole of podcasting. I would agree with that. That's man. crazy. I'm yeah, just yeah. now making that connection. I don't know what I the am of that of podcasting, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think you might be the J. Cole of podcasting. Yeah, man. So I this song, I played the shot this song. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, that's a great song. Smino 90 proof. People should check that out. Mine is a little it's a little on the nose, cheesy. It was a big it was a big song this year, but I just need to speak about the song positively for a second. So my one of my top songs of twenty twenty two on Spotify rap was Bad Habits by Steve Lacey. Now a lot of people don't understand what Steve Lacey has done with this song musically. One, it's it, it was the number one song in the country for a few weeks straight. Absolutely. And this is a very simple indie pop song. This is not a big production song. Yeah. It's just a good, simple song, and it took over the radio waves because it's just a well-written, great song. Yeah. And so I don't think it's really appreciated 
by the masses, even though they're liking it and playing TikToks of it and stuff, of yeah. like how big of a deal it is that a song that sounds like this was the number one song in the right. country. And he's not like he's not a one hit one. No, which he's I a, didn't, which I didn't know. Exactly. No, Steve Lacey has a an illustrious career. He's Absolutely. written for Kanye West. Yeah. He did. He, he wrote for uh, Tyler the Creator. He's has some, some songs with Tyler the Creator. He's been around for a bit, and he has this song that kind of like did the TikTok thing, yeah. where it became a trendy thing, and people were doing challenges and stuff. But then once you get past that, you're like, oh, he has a whole discography. Yep. Of great yeah, yeah. music great He's music. a talented music. musician He plays instruments yep. And that's what I like This wasn't just some dude That made a dumb song Like You know No disrespect But Lil Nas X Just made a dumb song Yeah And now he's turned it Into a great career Because he's a great marketer And he's great at, yeah. on, at the internet yeah. Lil Nas X is the best Internet I've ever seen But his music is not That impressive no. It's just like pop music Or whatever L Steve Lacey made a song That the world grabbed But then when you go Alright I'm, I'm tired of this song You go Oh when you press skip Go to the next song On the album You're like Oh, this dude's talented as fuck. Yeah. So, uh, Bad Habits by Steve Lacey really ran my year very much. So, I, I just think it's such a fucking fun song. Yeah. yeah. And he goes, "You can't surprise a Gemini." Yeah, you know, that's that, that's my that's my part right there. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, it's just a catchy song that all ages can like. Yeah. You know, and um, and I feel like this. I feel like that song. Yes. It's probably one of the songs he's been sitting on for a while. But yeah. It was one of them ones where nobody wanted to, nobody wanted to buy it. Yes. And he was just like, fuck it. I'll I think this, yeah, it. I feel that too. I feel like this is a last laugh song yeah. where it's like, I told y'all this song was a hit. <laughs> and they're like, no, no, it's too slow. Yeah, it's yeah. too soft. Like, there's no bass in it. Where's the 808 drums? Yeah. He's like, no, no, no. This is a fuck. I don't doubt that. I think you're right. I think somebody heard that and was like, I don't know. Where's, where's this play in the clubs? Yeah. This doesn't, where do you play this? Especially when you have the background of being like a writer. A good yeah. writer is like. He's like, I know this song's yeah, yeah. gonna grab people, and he—I think he got the last laugh on this. I don't absolutely. think I think you're absolutely right about that. I think this is a song that like the, his uh, label heads and stuff were like, no, no, we need something else for the for the uh, single. This can't be it. And he's like, all right, well, I'm gonna put it out. Yep. And so, and then he was right. Blew up. Blew up. Great song. So shout out to Steve Lacey, man. Also, that video of him, the thing we spoke about, so the TikTok thing, right? Yeah. It, I had an interesting conversation. I've had this conversation with a couple people, but I've had an, inter an interesting conversation about Steve Lacey and people like Steve Lacey, where. You make good music, but TikTok, the TikTokification of music is like, they'll blow your song up and kind of make it almost meaningless because people only care about this 10 seconds of the song. You're right. And so Steve Lacey's concert, he's, he's been on tour for a minute, mm -hmm. and his concert sold out in like, like an hour mm -hmm. because he's Steve Lacey, the guy who made the biggest song of 2022 or one of the biggest songs of 2022, and it's on TikTok and da-da-da-da. But the kids don't know his full catalog. So the audience is filled with kids that are just waiting for that moment to pull their phone yeah, out yeah. and get a TikTok of Steve Lacey doing the TikTok, but they don't know the words to his songs. So there's other videos of people who love Steve Lacey who are in the nosebleeds recording the audience, not when he's like, everybody sing. And they're like, because yeah. they don't know the song because they don't really like Steve Lacey. They just know Steve Lacey is the guy from TikTok who has the Bad Habit song. Yeah. So TikTok is really ruining live shows because these young kids are like, oh, I know that song. I'm going to go and do my dance, do the one dance or do the one moment from TikTok so I can get it for myself. But I don't really know the artist. I don't listen to his music like that because everything's 10 seconds. Everything's yeah. nine seconds. Everything's two minutes. Like, and that's what TikTok has done to these kids. So anyway, Steve Lacey has been at these shows and I think he's, get, he's gotten annoyed where he's like, these people, I don't even like, y'all aren't my fans. Right. My fans are up there yeah. all in the back because y'all bought the tickets bought so tic fast exactly. so you can get the TikToks off. So people who really want to come see these artists, Steve Lacey as well, but other artists, Bad Bunny, he's fucking out of here, 80,000 seat arenas and shit. But 
people are buying these tickets to get these moments and they don't really care about the artist. So Steve Lacey's hearing people, one of my favorite videos is somebody's yelling at Steve Lacey like, can you say hi to my mom? He goes, can you be quiet please? Oh, I see, <laughs> yeah. thank you. He just is annoyed. He's, he's walked off of stage. Like people are pissing him off because it's like his real fans aren't there. It's right. a bunch of TikTok kids. So that's the downside of uh, blowing up that way when you just make good music. And it reminds me, I don't see the parallels at all, but the last time I had these feelings about somebody was Amy Winehouse. Amy Winehouse made fantastic music and it wasn't Katy Perry music or Lady Gaga music. It was like jazz music basically, but it was so good and people hadn't heard good instrumentation in so long that it made her a global star. Yeah. But she didn't want to be a global star. She just wanted to make music. Yeah. She didn't want to not be able to leave her house and it drove her crazy. So I'm hoping Steve Lacey can mitigate that in some kind of way because I don't think he wants to be a pop star. I think he just wants to make his music, have his cult fan base. Yeah. And, and, you know, be able to go to the store, go to the club and, you know, not have cameras flashing his face. So that was uh, our two Spotify wrap ups and a little bit of music talk. Um, super fun stuff. We don't really have any uh, shout outs this week. And I do have yeah. some I do have some updates on the Shinquella Robinson case. Um, uh, 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 an arrest has been made. Um, of the, her, yeah. the friend who was seen uh, uh, assaulting her in the video of her in, in, um, in Mexico has been arrested and I believe at this as of now has been extradited to Mexico to Good. face charges absolutely for e either the assault or murder I'm not really I can't really remember um but yeah yep. there there's some complications because they didn't believe the Mexican authorities were going to get involved because even though it took place in Mexico it was a fight between two US citizens but I think still I don't know. uh um mom has come out publicly and stated that black social media namely black Twitter is responsible for keeping this story alive. She believes that this would have her, her daughter's story would have gone cold if black Twitter and black social media going viral and speaking on this didn't keep it alive. Uh, you, know, for, you know, sorry for lack of a better term to use, but keep, keep the story going. And then not until like days after black Twitter was doing this thing, did the, did the New York times even put a story out about her. So it's like, the, the the Twitter investigators kept the story alive, put the pressure on Mexican authorities, local, you know, um, U.S. authorities to like make a statement and do something about it. And so that's a big shout out. I think that's a win for Couch Detectives and and also like, you know, uh, black representation in media. You know, that's why we do this podcast. And there are plenty of podcasts who didn't speak on Shanquilla Robinson because they had never heard of her. And um, I feel good about the fact that we even though the case is still active, we took an episode to kind of just address it and talk about it and, and bring some some light to it and, and do the best that we could with the information that we had. And I'll continue to, uh, you know, bring updates when I get them because that story's fucking unbelievable, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think we harped on it plenty when we talked about it, but, you know, this girl went on a trip with, with people that she thought were her friends. And again, there's so many conflicting stories I'm hearing now. Again, it's so many, you know, people are going diving deep, so I don't know what's been verified and whatnot, but I heard that there's a chance that some some of those people might have taken some money from her or I just heard so many different conflicting stories. But what I do know is they went home, went to her mom's house and lied to her face after lying to her on the phone. So good right, luck yeah. in Mexico. Good luck in Mexico. These people did this to somebody who who they brought to be on a vacation together and, and did something intentional and hurt her. And they were and all killed adults. Her. And they were all adults. These are not these were not dumb kids. These were dumb adults who did something horrible and malicious. There was nothing accidental about this. 
So, yeah, I don't feel sorry for her. If they extradite her to Mexico, if she faces the full extent of Mexican law, I don't know, then that's what happens. I mean, you, 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 somebody's dead. So, um, I, you know, I, I hope to, you know, continue to. What about all of them? What about the rest of them, though? I don't think they're going to. Listen, the internet has put their names out there, but I don't think the authorities are going to bring any charges or release any names until, unless they but are going to charge charged. them formally. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I, I don't even mm. know, honestly. I don't know. Because we don't know the full story yet. Yeah. And people are still in the wind, I think. I don't, you know, there are people who, like, they know who was there, but there are people who, they, like, fled. Them, They're yeah. on the run, you know? So, um, I don't know how this is going to play out, but I will continue to try to use our platform to spread awareness of it because... I don't want her to be a cautionary tale, but it this is it is a cautionary tale. Like there is a there is a warning within this story about friendship and who are your real close friends and who can you do things with that you can't do with other th- people and uh, you know quantity over qu- quality over quantity. Like there's so many of those kinds of things wrapped up within this, you know. And that's not to blame her at all. I'm just saying, you know. If you went on a vacation with somebody, you thought that you couldn't have thought this was a possibility. You know, if you get on a plane to go spend the weekend with some with a group of people, you you couldn't have thought dying was on the list of uh, possible scenarios. Right. So that means you, there was some level of trust. And that's the lesson here of like, really, really, really make sure you vet the people that you go to spend significant time with or allow to be in your life. And this isn't even about like this goes beyond you could be, you could end up dead. This is just like you could end up with somebody in your circle who doesn't want the best for you. Yeah. So just you know vet the people around you and and protect your energy and don't just give it away freely to people who don't deserve it. And um, sadly, I think that that is a a lesson to be learned from this. You know, like don't 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 end up in a in a compromising situation with people that you wouldn't trust with your life. You know. Agree with that. Yeah. So rest in peace to Shinquella Robinson. Um, Super fucked up story. But what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get into some fucked up shit. So stick around. All right. And we are back, Fran. My affirmative murder this week is the story of Anne Anastasi. This one is a roller coaster, Fran. Okay. So buckle up with that thing. Make sure it's tight. You know, you're kind of skinny, so make sure you're not wobbling around in that seat <laughs> yeah. too much. Get you nice and locked in, and let's do it. My sources were the Capitol Gazette and the Washington Post. For people who think that the Capitol Gazette might sound familiar, there was a mass shooting at the Capitol Gazette in 2018. It's a it's an Annapolis magazine. Some guy ran up in there with a, a shotgun and was shooting people. I don't think he liked the news that they were reporting on or something, and he killed like five or six people, man. It's really tragic, but... Hey. But they do great work. They do great reporting out there, and that's where I got a lot of my information from this week. So shout out to the Capitol Gazette and the Washington Post. So <clears throat> in October of 2015, Ann Anastasi called the Anne Arundel County Police Department to report that her husband had taken his life inside their home after killing the 25-year-old woman who lived in their basement after an apparent argument. Her husband, Anthony Anastasi, was found in their master bedroom with a gun next to his body while 25-year-old Jacqueline Riggs was discovered dead in the basement with stab wounds. Mm. At first glance, murder-suicide seemed plausible. But oftentimes in life, things are not always as they seem. A crucial piece of context in this story, Fran, is the why. Right? 
Why was a 25-year-old non-family member living in the basement of a married couple? The answer to that question immediately begins to unravel Anne's carefully crafted narrative about the events that took place in her home on October of 2015. You see, Anne and Anthony had been involved in a long-standing three-way romance with Jacqueline Riggs. And as investigators probed deeper, inconsistencies mounted and evidence pointed to something far more bizarre having transpired. The 42-year-old wife had meticulously staged a murder-suicide. You see, Anne had begun to feel that her marriage was on the rocks because of their once fun thruple status now turned tumultuous. Uh, that word or you made that up? Thruple? Yeah. No, thruple's real. I it know is. some people in thruples. Okay. It's like, you know, that's a... Uh, thruples. Hmm. I don't know if that's polyamory, but it's somewhere in that kind of territory. Sounds thruple. like a some type of medical condition. A thruple? Yeah. Yeah, you got, yeah, you got some... You know, if you, uh, call your doctor <laughs> if you're experiencing thruples today. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, may cause bleeding, hemorrhaging, uh, you know, <laughs> genital warts, stomach pain, ulcers, da 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 da. And it's like eugenics yeah. for thruple, if you have thruple. So, like I said, they were at once, they were once in a thriving thruple for several years. Mm-hmm. But what happened was Anthony and Jacqueline started to really, they kept having sex and dating and they pushed Ann out, mm-hmm. but then kept it going. Yeah. And then Anthony moved Jacqueline to the basement. Oh, shit. So they could be together. Just she's yeah. in the mix way more. So, you know, they think that was the kind of the boiling, the tipping point. How did the they thought thing. that was going to work out? I don't know. Well, I guess they had been doing it for so many years that he just felt comfortable. So this uh, moving Jacqueline in allegedly uh, fueled Anne to want to eliminate both her husband and Riggs. But she didn't want to commit the act herself, Fran. So she enlisted her 13-year-old daughter and her daughter's 18-year-old boyfriend, Gabriel Struess, in a plot to murder her husband. Which 18 and 13 is crazy. Yeah. Anne's original story to the police was that she and her husband, Anne Riggs, had been drinking the night before and on the internet searching for a new car for Riggs. So, you know, they're buying her cars and everything. It's mm. a nice life. She's 25. They're in their 40s. She's, you know, she's, she's living her mm. life. You know, she yeah. could probably gets rent free in the basement. I'm sure she's That's probably why he leaned. That's why he liked her so much. That's young, young, fun. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, her story was that they had been on the internet the night before drinking and looking for a car on the internet for uh, for Jacqueline Riggs. It was all a plan, though. What? He was like, I'm married. Uh-huh. I do want a little young thing. Sure. So I'll just get my and wife to open up to having, yeah. bringing a young one Force in. Force her to be cool with it. And I'll just... Phase her out. Phase her out. Uh-huh. And I got me a little young thing. And she probably picked up on that. Like, we don't have sex anymore, but you're all in the basement every yeah. night. Sometimes you don't even come up from the basement. You sleep down there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it was very weird. You're trying to avoid old divorce. Yeah. I want to I want to be, I don't want to have to pay half of my money or give you alimony. So yeah. I want to keep the house together and the kids, but I want to have sex with who I want to have sex with. Yep. And that's not you. And that's a fun conversation. That's a super cool thing to do. He's a cool dude. Well, he didn't do that. So no, he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just was like, no, no, no. We're all in the throuple, but you can't be in it. And, we, we're, every time we have sex, you're like at the grocery store. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm tired now. She's like, "You want to do thruple stuff tonight?" Ah, my back is crazy. It. Yeah, uh-huh. it's already too late. Damn, we wish. You know, we were saying we wish that Ann was here. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. We just were saying that, but you know, it's, now my you know my back hurts, so can't do it tonight. So, uh, like I said, they were looking online at cars and drinking, and then uh, her husband, according to her, later on in that night, went to the basement with Riggs. Where Anne said she heard them arguing. Okay. Her husband then came back upstairs and told and told her not to go into the basement or bother Jacqueline Riggs. She told the investigators that he ordered her to grab their pet kittens and leave the master bedroom. He then locked the door. 
the next morning she awoke on the couch, I guess. That wasn't really made clear, but she's saying he locked the door and told her to take the kittens out and then locked the door to the master bedroom. And then she woke up the next morning. So I'm assuming she told them, like, basically, I slept somewhere else other than the master bedroom because he locked the door. Yeah. So she wakes up and um, she immediately, uh, this is her story again. She wakes up and she immediately has to leave the house because uh, one of their five children has a dentist appointment. Mm-hmm. Um, she later on that day after the, after, did I say doctor or dentist? Dentist. Either way, yeah, it was dentist. Uh, after the dentist appointment, she later on that day, according to her, stopped at a grocery store. When she arrived home, she decided to wake her husband up, but couldn't. So I guess she got into the room that was locked. But so he locked himself in the bathroom. He locked himself in the master bedroom. Like, get out of here! It's been oh, a long. Me, me, I thought that me was, and, okay. Me and Jacqueline like, got we, yeah. Me and Jacqueline got in a fight. Like, get out of here. Okay, I take the cat. I gotta go be alone. I gotta be alone with my thoughts. This is her story. All right. No, I thought she was saying that they left out of the room and he locked. I'm like, why would they lock the bedroom? Nobody in there. No, okay. he locked himself in there. Himself, like, yeah. get out, take the cats. I don't want to be. Uh, I don't want to see adorable cats yeah. right now. I need to be alone with my thoughts. Yeah, Jacqueline really, Jacqueline really pissed me off. Yeah. Again, this is her story. I'm just saying, as as a detective, a, it's, a, go like, it's an odd sounding story. <laughs> it's an odd sounding story. And he's like, "So you slept on the couch?" Yeah. She's like, "Yeah, he just, you know, he he didn't want to be bothered, so I, he locked me out of the bedroom where we sleep." And he told you, "Don't go in the basement." Yeah. Yeah, he just was like, "She doesn't want to be bothered either." And so I slept on the couch and then I left. And when I came back, I was like, you know what? It's been, it's been a while, night, like or whatever time it was. For the yeah. Rest of the day. Yeah. For the rest of the night. And then the next day ran some errands, come back home. Maybe let's, let's say she left at eight, came back at like 11 noon, 11. Let's mm. say, let's say she came back between 10 and noon. I don't know this to be a fact, but I'm just saying she didn't come back at like five because she said, I decided I wanted to wake him up. Yeah. So I'm assuming she left at eight for the dentist appointment, came home around 10, 11 after running her errands. And then she's like, I'm going to wake him up now. He's been sleeping. You know, he's been a real sleeping, real sleeping Sam. And I'm going to go in there. I'm going to wake this guy up. So she gets into the room that she wasn't able to get into to go to sleep because he locked it. Yeah. But now she can get in. And when she gets in, she tries to wake him up. She couldn't. And when she really started to inspect, she saw a gun next to him on the bed. No blood. No, he has been shot in the head. Um, oh, so she did say that. Well, she said she's found a gun. I don't think she said, like, what about his wounds or anything like that. Oh, this is weird to go. Somebody goes, I tried to wake him up. and then Yeah, like, oh. it wasn't like a messy, there wasn't blood all over right. the walls. And stuff. I just thought he was asleep. Yes. No, she said I tried That's to wake crazy. him up. And then I was like, he's not waking up. Huh, it's weird. weird. Oh, it's blood right there. His brains are blown out. Yeah. I mean, you didn't mention that part? Like, no, I thought he was asleep. That's crazy. So that's an, th- th- another red flag. Good catch. <laughs> you thought he was asleep and his, his, he was shot in the head? Yeah. Investigators began to question Anna Anastasi's dumb fucking story mm-hmm. and found her statements to be inconsistent and misleading. Evidence started mounting against Anne in droves. For example, Anne Anastasia allegedly placed a 45 caliber gun next to her husband's body, but it was a 38 caliber bullet that inflicted the fatal wound. Also, traces of gunshot residue were also found on Anne Anastasia's clothing. Jeez. You didn't change and burn those clothes? What are you doing? And you, why you switch guns? Yeah, why'd you do that? Oh, oh no. Um, at the time of the murder, which I'll get I'll get into, but they couldn't find the murder weapon. They may have never found the murder weapon. Oh, so they so so she shot him. With, she shot they shot him with one gun, and then she used another gun that they had around to put there, and then they got rid of the gun that actually killed. Makes no sense. Yeah, like why wouldn't they get the bullet out? And why wouldn't you know? Come on. But in their mind, they're like, oh, we have to put a gun there, but we want to get rid of the actual murder weapon, so there's no fingerprints. Like the bullet, the the bullet doesn't just like dissolve, disappear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the perfect crime would be to kill somebody with an icicle, because it just melts. It'll melt. Yeah, yeah. 
So like an ice bullet, which I don't think would be a thing, where it enters into you and then it dissolves, or some kind of organic bullet, like it dissolves when it touches blood or something like that. Maybe something like that. I don't think it exists, but if it does, we don't know yet. The government's using that's those. a whole different. You would have to make a whole new gun, right? Yeah, it'd yeah. be a special firing gun. <laughs> yeah, 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 it wouldn't just be like gunpowder. Yeah, it wouldn't just be like gunpowder. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, for now, until that happens, Man, that's crazy, scary, yes, <laughs> terrifying. That's what I'm saying. We don't have those. The, if the, if they exist, the government's using those yeah, currently yeah. to like cause war conflicts in other countries. So anyway, um, yeah, so until that happens, using a different caliber bullet and then putting a different gun there when you're trying to stage a murder is dumb. Yeah. There was a 38 caliber bullet in his skull and the gun doesn't shoot 38 caliber bullets. So that doesn't make any sense. sense. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so that was, among other things, these things started to pile up that were like, this doesn't make any sense. This is, this is crazy. It doesn't make any sense. And you have gunpowder residue on your clothing. Did you get, did somebody... Did you shoot guns at the grocery store or at the dentist? Strange. Anyway, if, as if that wasn't damning enough, the day before the murders, 18-year-old Gabriel Struess was in a group text with Ann Anastasi and her 13-year-old daughter discussing the killing of two people. Wow. In one text, authorities said Struess told the young girl that if she talked to the police, he would be going to jail for life. I do not think that they can pull the... T- 2015 doesn't feel like that long ago. Like, did people not know this? I think if I was her, the part I would get caught up on is the gun residue. If they told you that they found gunpowder residue on you, yeah, yeah, you'd be like, "Well, I can't can't explain this away." Yeah, I can't. Or you, you not, you not like gun residue is like, why would I have a gun? Why would not even that? But it it getting on your clothes. Uh huh. I don't think it's something that a lot of people are thinking about when they commit crimes. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, you, 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 could, you would think you could just keep your clothes on. Yeah, like, you, you wouldn't would, think of there's residue. Yeah, you wouldn't. That wouldn't pop in my mind. Yeah. It would get me on. I would go, no, fair oh, like, damn. Like, yeah, damn, well, I, didn't, I guess I could have changed. I didn't think that guns had residue. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't wet after I touched the gun. What do you mean residue? I think residue, I'm like, did some kind of goop get on yeah. me from the gun? But I guess the gunpowder, smoke, whatever. light or whatever. Yeah, they use the UV light. They're yeah. like, you're covered in residue, gun residue. Like, damn, I didn't even know guns had residue. So authorities believe that Riggs have moved into the basement of the, of the Anastasi residence over the summer, which caused tension. The defense painted Gabriel Struess as a weak-minded, troubled young man with a tough up- upbringing who fell victim to the masterminded plan of a 13-year-old girl and her mom. Uh, they asserted that Gabriel was misled by the accusation of abuse on the part of the father, Anthony, and was under the impression that if he didn't do what they asked him to do, which was kill their dad and their husband, that Anthony Anastasi would eventually kill one of them, which would mean mm. killing his girlfriend. Wow. And they really made sure to make a point that the daughter, who was 13 at the time, so I'm not going to name her, but that the daughter really made him feel like she was not safe and that he was protecting her if he did this. They're saying like she, it wasn't just Ann Anastasi. Like the daughter also played a big role and manipulating this young guy yeah. into thinking like you're 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 saving us from a dangerous person, which apparently may not have been the case. She was definitely brainwashed by her dad. I mean, by, by her, her mom. mom. By her mom. Yes, thirteen years old. Yeah, I don't know how. Co- but you're you're the defense team. <laughs> Got to put this on somebody else's feet. Thirteen year old girl. Fuck that kid. Yeah, she's evil. They yeah. says all kind. They said all kind of stuff. This is she is an evil mastermind. She manipulated him. It's like he's eighteen and she's thirteen. But okay. The mom's also there behind her. Like, it's two on one. I mean, she knows what's right, what's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's two on one. And they're both doing the same, like, we're not safe. Like, help us, you know? And this kid was troubled. And I think think that he thought he was doing the right thing. Not that that, 
he killed two people. So that also it doesn't matter because he also killed Jacqueline. You know, she wasn't abusing them. At least I don't think that's what I don't think they said that they said that she was. The defense claims that Gabriel was hoodwinked. He was sentenced to 60 years in prison for the double murder, part of a plea agreement with the county state's attorney's office. And Anastasi also received 60 years in prison for her part in orchestrating the murders and lying about what happened. While the 13-year-old girl was charged and remanded to a juvenile detention center at the time of the revelation of what the actual events were that had taken place, yeah. I don't know if she was ever convicted or if she was, or if she was, I couldn't find any information that, um, that would give me the answer. Probably because at the time of all this in the trial, she was a minor. She's a minor, right. Yeah, so um, I looked up her name because I do have her name. I looked up her name and I couldn't find anything that said like 2022 prison Whatever she was remanded to a uh, a juvenile detention center, but if they decided that they would just let her out at eighteen, or she would serve a few a few a couple years there, she would have still been a minor when she got out. Like if they gave her four years at the juvenile detention center for her part in it, she would be seventeen. Yeah. So her record would still be sealed because now she's not a minor. Now she's probably I think she'd probably be like something like uh twenty one twenty one twenty two. Probably out, man. Probably yeah, out. yeah. I, I think she's out. Yeah. But Fair her record, she's a minor. yeah, her record. That's what I mean. Yeah, so her yeah. record's sealed, and she's moved on. Yeah. So I haven't been. I couldn't find any like uh, current information about her. Wow. But this, uh, I found this story to be. It's, it's just so salacious and crazy. Like you were in a thruple. You're a, you're a, you're a, you're. Let's say you're a, you're a married couple. You guys were in a rut. You got five kids. You guys are in a bit of a rut. You decide to spice things up. Mm-hmm. The husband catches feelings for the young honey dip that you guys bring into the fold. <laughs> yeah, and then they phase you out of the relationship. And then you, in a jealous rage, decide, I'm not going to stand for this. I'm going to kill you and her. But you don't get you to do it. You get your 13-year-old's eight, you get your 13-year-old daughter's 18-year-old boyfriend, which is like, says, I mean, listen, I don't know how to feel about this because like, I guess kids, kids are going to do what they're going to do. But like, why are you cool with your kid having an 18-year-old boyfriend and you guys, and you're communicating with him? So that tells me like, you're not just like, oh, He's not allowed out of the house and I can't stop you guys from hanging out of school or whatever, but I'm not, I don't condone it. Yeah. You have his phone number. You're asking him to do things like that tells me you're like cool with it. And that's odd to me because I think that age difference is not okay. Not only just because he's a murderer, just because like he's an older guy. Like, it's just weird. It's weird. It's not the right time. I don't necessarily say, I wouldn't necessarily say five years is crazy if you're 25 and they're 30 or something like that. But in those adolescent years, a five year age gap is crazy. What if it's her master plan, though? The mom? To get rid of both of them. To get rid of the husband and the girl and know that her daughter's dating this 18-year-old dude. Uh-huh. And to get, get him, him to do to, it. To get him to do it. So they can just get rid of... I'm not giving her as much credit. No. But get, <laughs> get her, she can get rid of them. Uh-huh. So it's like, I don't have to deal with them because he... They, so they, they like, I'm going to keep... I'm going to let you keep dating him because I'm going to use him later? I'm use him, yeah. No, nah, I don't think... I'm not going <laughs> to give that much credit at all. I'm going to use this guy later. You can keep dating him. That's fine. Whatever. Because I know he's him. sick and I'll just get him to do this. Yeah. I know I can manipulate him. So you keep dating him for now and I'll use him when I'm ready to use yeah. him. No, I don't, I'll, I'm not. I'll I'm not. The whole thing. I'm not giving her that credit. I refuse. To I wouldn't. Yeah. Um, she didn't even know she had gunpowder residue on her. Her story was dumb. She didn't have the right caliber gun for the bullet that was in his in the body. No, um, no, not at all. But it's interesting, though, like the level of violence that was committed on that day, like, um, the young guy, uh, Gabriel Struess, shot Anthony Anastasi in the head, but he stabbed Jacqueline to death in the basement. So did Jacqueline this, Riggs. Did I said Briggs. Jacqueline when Riggs. She, when she went on 
did errands or I don't think she did ever did errands. I think uh, she was probably there. Or no, I'm lying. Out. I'm lying. She probably did leave the house and let it, you know, let, let, let him in, give him right. the key, whatever. Yeah. It probably happened that night. You know, like he was asleep. She left the bedroom to go let him in. Jacqueline's asleep in the basement. He had to do the stabbing first. He definitely did the stabbing first. Yeah. But or he could have muffled the shot because nobody called that this took place the next day. You know, they didn't so he could have muffled the shot with a with a pillow. Because no neighbors heard any gunshots from what I could tell. I didn't see anything about that. So, but most likely, yeah, he probably killed Jacqueline it's first. In the basement, so it's probably easy to get. Yep. Killed Jacqueline far away. Killed Jacqueline Riggs in the basement, came up. Jacqueline um and lets him into the master bedroom, allegedly, probably, maybe. I don't know. I'm just speculating. And then he kills Anthony um, Anastasi with a gunshot to the head. And then he leaves. Even though they talked him into doing that, mm -hmm. do you still think that, like, oh, that dude was, just, he's also crazy? Yeah, no, for sure. And like, they said, they, he was uh, on a, he, 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 was, he had a pill addiction. He smoked, oh, okay. he smoked a lot of weed. Because I'm like, you he was troubled. Yeah. You can't just talk to any, you can't, you talk, can't talk That's the that. thing is, like, what, what are you saying talk into? Like, that's the thing about it. Like, we're not saying, like, oh, you talked him into jumping off a scary cliff. Like, you talked him into committing double homicide yeah so you have to have your own set of issues to do that as you know already it's not like that they're just that good of salespeople. yeah it's the same thing with uh gypsy rose blanchard like mm -hmm. when she got it when she got that guy to kill her mom that guy was fucked up he had his own shit he was like calling he wanted her to call him master she met a guy who was dark and i think she knew what he was capable of and she knew that she could ask him to do this and then he'd do it yeah i don't think you i don't think that we should take away from this like, oh yeah, you can just manipulate anybody to kill people. I don't think that's the case. This kid, uh, his mom had a crack addiction. He had a rough life. He grew up on the streets of Annapolis. Um, he had some some pill addiction struggles. He clearly, you know, had some issues, maybe a little stunted in age, which is why maybe he went after 13-year-old girls when he's 18. You know, so he had his own set of issues. And they saw that and preyed upon it. So I'm not saying he's without fault. But I think he was in a space where manipulation may have been easier to do to him than somebody else. And he was in yeah. a space where violence wasn't uh, an unfathomable act to him. Okay. Where he wouldn't go, wait, you want me to do what? No, I'm breaking up with you and I am never want to talk to you guys again. He probably felt like he was in love with this young girl and he needed to protect her. And protecting her means whatever. And that goes back to probably if he had any issues with his mom, wanting to protect his mom. I'll never let that happen to another woman in my life. A whole bunch of psychological things that he hadn't dealt with. Yeah. And they met, he met the wrong people at the wrong time. So that part is sad. But he also killed two people. Brutally. Yeah. So my, my empathy and my sympathy has a line. You know? As far as Anna Anastasi goes, I don't know if, he was, if she was actually in, a, in an abusive type of situation. Either way, she she uh, she coerced an eighteen year old kid to kill two people, and so my empathy and sympathy has a line in there too. The only place my empathy and sympathy doesn't have a line is for a thirteen year old girl who maybe there was domestic violence in that house, and she felt like she loved her mom and wanted to protect her mom, or maybe her mom convinced her that there was domestic violence and she wanted to protect her mom and help her mom. Now. Did you coerce your boyfriend into killing somebody? Yes. But she's 13 years old. Kids are dumb. They're going to listen to their parents. And if her mom told her, you got to tell him to do this, then she's going to do what her mom told her to do. So there's the only place in this story where my empathy and sympathy doesn't have a line. I don't think the 13-year-old girl should have spent the rest of her life in prison, nor do I think she did. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Um, yeah, but that was the story of uh, Ann Anastasi. I want to say rest in peace to Jacqueline Riggs and Anthony Anastasi. Just like, you know, two people trying to get their freak on. They included Ann in the beginning. Yeah, they... But, you know, eventually, I guess they were saying, you're a bummer. You know, you don't, you're always complaining. Like, but they should, they should, they, they knew. They didn't have to phase her out like that. Get messy, yeah, don't move her in. Yeah, Moving crazy. her in is that's crazy. Cool, it reminds me, it really reminds me of, there was this show, they aired one episode of the show and they pulled it, they canceled it immediately. It was a show about adopting adults. I think that was the name of the show. Adopting adults. And there was only one episode to my recollection. I think it came on A&E. And there was this guy was the creepiest fucking dude ever in life. And basically what he wanted to do was move in a young girl who was like a, a, a pregnant and struggling down on her luck. Mm-hmm. He wanted to move her in. And he was, he was, he was framing it like, I want to adopt her. Like, I want to be like a father figure to her. Yeah. But then he, the, way, the way he would talk about her would be, he'd be like, listen, if she wants to come in and give me a little hug, I just need you to not be weird about it and mess up our thing. Like, we're... She needs to bond with me. She needs me. And the wife would be sitting there just like, you could see, I don't want to do this. Yeah. I don't want to do this, but he's saying, like, if I don't do this, he's going to leave. You could tell that was kind of the ultimatum. Yeah. The ultimatum was, I want to have a, another girl here, whether it's sexual or whatever. I'm saying it's for adoption purposes, even though she's 22. But I want to have a, a, another girl here. And if you have a problem with that, I'm going to leave. So those are the two possibilities. Mm. And then the fucked up part is they say, yeah, we had tried this before, but I caught feelings for the girl that we adopted and we had a sexual relationship. Wow. <laughs> so this wow. this one episode aired and the world was like, this guy is a pig, a monster, yeah. and disgusting, and this is awful. Cancel this show. So he's that's my favorite part is he goes, I just love, I have so much love to give and I want to help. I want to help mold somebody in the world. And we did try this before. Yes, we did. And I uh, caught feelings for the last girl. And um, yeah, what you doing right now? Doing the same thing over again. So this kind of has an element of that when he's, when they say he moved her into the basement and they're looking for cars for her to buy and stuff is an odd situation. So I, th- I just found that fascinating. But uh, yeah, so that was the story of Anna Anastasi and how she coerced a young man into killing her husband and uh, her husband's lover. Formerly her lover too, I think. I think they were in a three-way thing, like it said. So kind of her lover as well. But uh, yeah, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, it's Fran's turn to get into some fucked up shit. So stick around. All right, welcome back. My affirmative murder this week. This is the story about Gregory Green. In 1991, Gregory Green made an ominous 911 call to the authorities and waited for them to arrive. The police then arrested him for stabbing his then-pregnant wife, Mm. Tanya Clayton Green, 10 times with a steak knife, Mm. leading to her death. At the time, she suffered stab wounds in her neck, back, chest, and cheek. Oh, my God. Gregory eventually pled no contest to second-degree murder and was sentenced to 15 to 25 years in prison. Mm. So no, no contest is just like, is is that a plea deal saying like, because I know I know a basketball player recently, Miles Bridges. I think it's like you accept you accept the guilt, but you don't admit to the crime. I think right, something like that. A plea in which a defendant in a criminal prosecution accepts conviction okay. but does not plead or admit guilt. Hmm. Cool. So sometimes we do know stuff. Okay. But it's always good to Google. Um. So yeah. So he ended up 
but since the 15 to 25 I wonder what the, the what the purpose of that is though like I don't I, I guess you don't have it on your record it's not, I was about to say it's not attached to you, your name or yeah. something like that I was like I don't know but I know I recently just saw that in a case for a basketball player so so I was like alright mm. so before he went to prison for killing his uh, his then pregnant wife Tanya he was good friends with Faith well Evans? Faith, no no Faith Faith Green Harris is her her name because they end up being married Okay. But at the time, it was Faith Faith Harris and her father, Fred Harris. So Green uh, was denied parole four times, mm-hmm. twice in 2004 and twice in 2006, because he showed little remorse and blamed his victims for his actions. Or his victim. Well, victims, yes, because he also killed his unborn child. Yes. Um, so he's a piece of shit. Yes. And before he was released in 2008, I saw 2008, I saw 2010, so... Uh, said that uh, Chris Gotts, a spokesperson for the Michigan Department of Corrections, if he had not been granted, you know, parole, uh-huh. he wouldn't have gotten. He wouldn't have been released until twenty twelve. Mm. So after serving about sixteen years in prison for the murder, sixteen years for the for the uh, for the murder, Green was released on parole with the support of family and friends, including a pastor who lobbied on his behalf. Wow, and whose daughter <clears throat> was Faith Green. Well, do you think that it's possible that because he pled no contest that he convinced his family, like, I didn't do this, but they they can make it look like I did. So I'm going to take what they're offering me. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't his family. This is another family that he met. Oh, the the, the faith. His faith. That, yeah. Her family. Her family. Oh, I thought you were saying like his mom. And, no. no, no oh, this okay. Is, this is her. Got and it. And her dad. Got it. Wow. Okay. And, you know, they lobbed on his behalf. They went like, hey, you know, he's changed, man. You know, did his wow. time. And. I mean, it, it played in his favor for sure. Yeah. You know, it got him out of prison. Convincing. Early. Guy. Convincing guy. Yep. They said that if he was really, if he was to be released, he would be welcome as part of our church community and whatever we could do to help him adjust, we would do. That's good. It's necessary to have a support system like that when you get out of prison, but yes, that's crazy that he gets it. Yep. So when Green was released... He later married Faith Faith Harris. Mm-hmm. So it said that he after he was they they married maybe like two two to three years after he was released from prison. Mm-hmm. They had two daughters, Coy who was five and Kylie who was four. And Faith already had two children of her own, Kara Allen seventeen and Chad Chady Allen who was nineteen. Mm. After they married, has this you know this beautiful family. News came that nobody would ever imagine. In the early morning of September twenty first of twenty sixteen, Faith. Harris Green, and then they married at this point. Yes. Found herself bound with duct tape and zip ties in the basement. No, shocker, the guy that killed his... Of their home in in Dearborn Heights, Michigan, just Mm. outside of Detroit. Her foot had been shot and her face slashed with a box cutter. Mm. Her two teenage children, who was Gregory's Green's stepchildren, were with her, dead of gunshot wounds, Mm. execution style. Oh. She had watched them die. Her two younger children were dead upstairs, poisoned with carbon monoxide. Oh, my God. The killer was Harris Green's husband. The same man whose freedom her father advocated for more than a decade ago. Isn't that some crazy shit? That's insane. That's insane. Yep. As Green did when he killed his first wife, he called 911 Uh and waited for the police to come. Calmly. Yeah. He had just shot his family, and they were inside the house, he told officers. Uh-huh. Back in prison, he received what amounts to a life sentence, which he will be 97 by the time he's eligible for parole, 
And this was according to the prosecutor's office. Uh huh. During the sentencing hearing, Harris Green was wearing a white turtleneck, spoke to her children's killer, perhaps for the last time. Oh, because she survived. She survived. Got yeah. it, got it. Okay. She said, you're a con artist and you are a monster. You are a devil in disguise. You are now forever exposed. She said as she stood behind a podium in a Wayne County courtroom, her husband in a dark green jail uniform sat, you know, quietly a few, a few feet away and his back toward her. Mm. No punishment will ever be enough for the children's death, Harris Green, Harris Green said. Not even torture and death will be justice, she said. Your justice will come when you burn in hell for all eternity for murdering four innocent children, mm. all because you're insecure. So Faith Green said her doctor told her that she had lost short-term memory loss about some details surrounding the slings. And she also suffers from post-traumatic stress disorder and has migraines, has migraines and nightmares. And I think, uh, I don't know if, well, to me, since the brain is so fascinating to me, I think that's like a, some type of tactic to where it's like, this is so traumatic for you. Your brain goes like, "No, we're not dealing with this. We going to like tr- try to wash some of it, get, uh-huh. get rid of some of yeah, this yeah, stuff." Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. And I think that's that. I think that's crazy for like the brain to be protecting to, you. Yeah, yeah. I think that's dope. That's dope as shit. So she was granted a divorce in December, according to media reports. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind. So what prompted Green to kill his family and why he immediately confessed to it is unclear. He had been found mentally competent, the Detroit News reported, and Green cried as he described what he had done. Mm. So he said, unfortunately, I took the lives of Kylie and Coy, Chadney and Kara. I shot my ex-wife. I left my two girls in the car. Are you saying Chadney? Chadney, yeah. Is that what Chad is short for? I've never heard, like, somebody go, like, my name is this, but we, people just call me Chad. I thought Chad was just a... The name. Just a name, <laughs> yeah. Could be, man. Um, that's... I'm I'm shaking by that. Continue, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, so uh, he said, I left my two girls in the car, Kara and Chatney. I shot them. Wow. So the car was filled with carbon monoxide while the two children were inside. Investigators found duct tape on the muffler of the car. A plastic tube was attached to it. And the bodies were later moved inside, you know, back to the house, yeah. to their beds after after they were asphyxiate, asphyxiated. Mm-hmm. By the carbon monoxide. That's that feels really premeditated and planned out. Yeah. So the father, they said the father had reportedly manipulated the tailpipe of the car, mm-hmm. killing the children with the exhaust fumes. Yes. The car where the young children were asphyxiated was parked outside the home and had a hose hooked to the exhaust that was uh, rooted into the car. So police administered CPR before the children were taken to the hospital. Where they were pronounced, you know, it was, it was pronounced dead. Yeah. His prison record provided nearly no trace of violence. No hint that years after he would be released, he would commit crimes more brutal than the first. That just, we talk about this so often. I just, I don't know how I feel about a prison reward system because he killed his wife and his unborn child. Mm-hmm. And then the idea that you, it's like you go, but he didn't do anything violent in prison and to me i feel something to the effect of well yeah i mean he probably wants to get out yeah he you'll be on your best so behavior other, exactly. so you have a chance to get way, out yeah exactly. You know? so exactly. so why are we even keeping tabs of that kind of behavior like 
is it can it even it's like if you're punished for me this is i'm speaking from experience but like when i used to get grounded by my mom i would wait till she was about to walk past my room and just i'd have a book I like you reading yeah, yeah like i'm reading a book yep. you know clean your room yeah you yeah. know room yep. spotless <laughs> but i'm trying to get let out of my room yes you know yep. so i don't know but yep his history while incarcerated appeared clean if not perfect records show that although he was unable to explain the outbursts that brought him to prison, he nevertheless followed the rules and stayed out of trouble. I feel like that should be baseline prison behavior. Like, I don't, you know, like obviously supposed to be, you should be, you should be, you should be reprimanded if you fight somebody or kill somebody or any of those terrible things. But if you're just in prison serving out your time, you're not being, that shouldn't, you don't need to be, uh, rewarded for that or something right. it's like you're that's what you're supposed to be doing right exactly. you're supposed to be thinking about what you did and reflecting not that prison is offering those kinds of outlets you know historically but mm-hmm. i'm saying if you are on that path and you got a job or whatever the thing is you're just staying out of the way that's what you're supposed to be doing yeah so the idea that there's like a punishment system and a reward system is odd other than obviously some perks or whatever extra yeah, tv yeah. time but like you can get out early or you can, well, shave some time off because you're for good behavior, quote unquote. Yeah. I don't, because everybody's trying to get time shaved off for good behavior. So, of course, you're going to look like, oh, I'll mop. I'll mop up. Throw these trays away. Sure, no problem. I don't know. But this dude, I mean, he fooled everybody. Yes. Everybody. A whole a whole new family. No. <sighs> Never mind. What? I just was going to speak to the dad, like how the the dad, I'm not even going to speak to how I feel the dad should feel, but I feel like the dad who advocated for him probably feels terrible. Oh yeah. I'm not going to, I was going to speak to he sh- him, sh- what, how I feel he should feel, but like, I, I don't need to. Cause I, I know yeah. he probably, he feels it enough. I would, I would love to know what <clears throat> he told the, you know, his wife and his, her father, his father-in-law about what happened in the first crime. Yeah. I would love to know what, how he for them, them. To, for them to go like, oh, he's he's changed. Yeah, and like, and you should date my daughter. Not just yeah. you've changed, and I'm going to advocate for you for to get out and li- get a second chance at life. But I want, I feel comfortable with you dating my child. Yeah. and being around my grandchildren. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, so they said his his parole eligibility report had excellent, um, good block good good block reports and good past work history. They say he is respectful to the staff and other prisoners. No minor conducts to report. Um, Green had only one misconduct while incarcerated. He was given a ticket in 2002 for getting involved in a fistfight over a television. Mm. That sounds about what happens in prison, right? That sounds about pretty par for the course for prison. So by the time he his parole was granted, Green had completed educational programs in prison. And he also had plans to work once he was released. So everything sounds good. Everything yeah, sounds, sounds good. Right? Sounds like you've learned. I could see like, okay, you served 15 years. It was an accident, second degree, accidental, you know, unintentional homicide, something like that. Sure. But he murdered an, uh, his, his pregnant wife. Yeah. Not, and didn't sound like it was an accident. No, I don't, th- I don't think we need to be trying to figure out plans for you to be getting out and stuff anytime soon. You know, like you, that's awful what you did. Yeah, man. You know, and it wasn't an accident. Yeah, brutal, brutal. Uh, it was a brutal, brutal murder. murder. Yep. During a news conference in September, Dearborn Heights Mayor Dan Paletko 
summed up the sheer lack of explanation of Green's murderous outrage. He said, it's just difficult to understand the motivation. I just don't understand what happened in the household. I can't fathom this whole process. I just don't understand. Mm. So Gregory Green pleaded guilty for the forced layings. Green also was charged with the attack on his then wife, Faith Harris Green. He pleaded guilty in that attack. Green, who was 50 years old, will spend 45 to 100 years behind bars as part of his guilty plea to the charges against him. Mm. So Green pleaded guilty to second-degree murder in the slayings of Kylie Green, Coy Green, and the teenage stepchildren, Kara and Chadney. And Green pleaded guilty to torture and assault with the intent to do great bodily harm on the attack on Harris Green. He also pleaded guilty to the felony, fi- felony firearm, the counts of unlawful imprisonment, and felonious assault would be dropped at the sentencing hearing as part of his guilty plea. Harris Green, 39, was granted a divorce from Green in, in December. Right? So the plea was given with the express approval of Faith Green, who was the mother of the children and the stepchildren. Police have not cited a motive, but the killings appear to have stemmed from a domestic violence type situation. Records show that Faith Green had filed for divorce in August. She cited a breakdown in a marriage relationship and a filing she did at the Wayne County Court. Records show she also filed for a divorce from Gregory Green in 2013, but no further action was taken. Mm. So there was problems stemming on in, in the family. Yeah. And she, she didn't wanted in, to leave for a while. She wanted to leave for a while, exactly. Faith had asked for personal protection for a personal protection order that same year, but it was turned down by the judge. So the state failed her. Yep. Mm. Wow. In the past, police have reportedly responded to the home for domestic violence and family troubles. So this the history was there. The history was there, exactly. So Green wrote that her husband was threatening that things are going to get ugly if she didn't leave the home. If she didn't leave if the she home? She didn't leave the home, yep. She said that he jumped at me like he was going to attack, and this went on for hours. This complaint also claimed Gregory Green was belligerent and kicking things the day before the filing. She said he kicked the couch while the baby was sleeping on it. Wow. In a protection request, Faith Green indicated she did not contact police but had intended to, to go to the station to file a formal report the day that day after after work. She said, I didn't want to leave my house. Sorry, I didn't want to leave my house and not be able to get back in, she explained. The court denied the request without hearing based on insufficient allegations for a PPO at the time. Mm. So she went and filed for divorce multiple times. Got a personal protection order tried or tried to get it. Yep, tried to get one. Denied. And denied. And police have been to the house because of domestic violence issues and everything else. And... They did nothing. And these are the important um, details that need to be heard for people like myself and, and you early on in the podcast where we would say things like, just just go. Yeah. Like, I don't know why you're sticking around. Like, this is important to hear that you try to take the proper steps to get protection and get some kind of a legal barrier put in place and you run into all these obstacles and it's like, well, where do you go if, if the law can't protect you? Yeah. This person could just find where you move to. Yep. So where am I, Where are you supposed to go? It's not just as simple as just leave, just pack up and leave the house. So they can come find you. 
So, yeah. So, you know, when he was released, they got married a couple of years after he was released. Yes. So the, again, the two were embroiled in a divorce. Mm-hmm. So Faith Green filed for divorce in October 11, twenty thirteen, and they never went forward. Yeah, with it. He then again, sign or she would, or she dropped it. Right, and then again in October, in August of the eleventh, mm-hmm. and she was, and they, her kids were murdered in September. Wow, a month later, a month later. So she tried to leave. She felt like it was getting bad, and she was right. Yep. Yeah, man, I saw this, and I saw this story. I saw this on Facebook. It popped up on Facebook. Oh wow! It was like this dude, you know, killed his whole two, thing. Fa- two. Fa- it's like what? Yeah, two he got families. out, and yeah. then. Did it again? Yeah. And that's why I don't know what other things went on, but that's why she was like, you know, you did this because of your insecurities. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, that's that's unfortunate. You know, she survived, but she lost all, all of, of her kids. kids. He killed his own kids. His right? own kids. Yeah. So that was the story of Gregory Green. Um, tragic story. I mean, I don't even know what else. When kids are involved, innocent kids, it's like, they don't have, man, just nothing to, got do, nothing with to do with that, man. Not saying I'm saying, not saying that though he should just take it out on her. Yeah, but I mean, like, come on, don't. But to, and to, to be, I under, I fully understand what you're saying, right. and yeah, also yeah. to be so calculated and take the hose and move, put it into the car and mar- carbon monoxide poison the kids, and it just it's so premeditated. Yes. Like it's so he wanted everybody gone. Yeah, he wanted to be alone, and it's so gross, man. Yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah, he had a habit of just. Doing these crazy, these horrific crimes and calling the police himself. Yeah. And waiting and going That like, yeah. almost feels like some kind of like psychotic uh, blackout or something. Like he almost and goes into a it. red yeah. and, and just doesn't remember and then wakes up and is like, okay, I, I did that again. Let me let me call the police. It's cool. very odd that he calls the police and just is very honest. It's, but why, but why, when people do that, do this, mm-hmm. why doesn't this occur in prison? The violence? Like, why don't they black out on, like... Sometimes it does. Some people are extremely violent, period. But this is an interesting case where, I don't know, it might be that he's the manipulative in him. I mean, he was able to manipulate a father and daughter into advocating for him and then marrying him after he was in prison for killing a a woman and her unborn child. So he clearly is some kind of, you know, manipulative person. And maybe he was manipulating from the day he got into prison. Maybe he, maybe it was all manipulative. Like yeah. if I call the police and tell them I did it and I'm cooperative and give them everything they need to do, they'll give me a lighter sentence. And then once I'm in prison, I'm going to be nice and not hurt anybody and do what I need to do. And then I can get out. Yeah. Might've all been calculated, you know? So that's the scary part. And that's why I don't know how, I don't like the, uh, the idea of a reward system or a good behavior system, because what if you're dealing with a sociopath who goes, yeah, I'll go fucking cook dinner or uh, run the library. Yeah, it's and, all a plan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And just not get in any trouble. And then maybe you'll knock 10 years off my sentence. Yep. Odd stuff, man. Yeah, man. <sighs> all right. Well, yeah. Man, kid, kid stories are fucked up. They're all fucked up. Anyway, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and get into these good vibes. Good, 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 good vibration. Take two of Good Vibes segment. They don't know that. Oh, sorry. That's, they didn't need to know that. There's the music. There's the music. So welcome to our Good Vibes segment. Where's the music? God damn it. It crashed again. iPhone, I'm telling you, when new phones come out, they press the button and, and they just fuck your phones up. 
I'm telling you. Just, 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 talk, just, just, music. no, just talk. Uh, uh, music will come. Just okay. talk. God so vibe is about. It's good vibe. Sorry, friend. I didn't mean, sorry. Sorry to curse. Yeah, Go man. ahead. A guy finds a $40,000 diamond ring. 40000 Buried on a Florida beach and tracks down the owner who broke into tears. Yes. Returning something like that. A man was overjoyed when he discovered a diamond ring worth 40,000, 40,000 bands mm. at a beach in Florida last month. And soon became a metal, metal, sorry, metal detector angel. Mm. Joseph Cook found the ring buried in the sand at Hammock Beach and St. Augustine and immediately posted a video he shot while digging it up to social media channels searching for people who may have lost rings. Mm. The power of social media. Man. Also, I would have been like, I lost a ring. What do you mean? Just to see. Well, just keep it. We got posted. Uh, that too. But well, then he wouldn't be. It wouldn't be good vibes. Then continue. The thirty-seven-year-old is heard exclaiming in shock. No way, man! Whoa! Look at that bad boy! Holy crap! That's real. Is this a white guy? Yeah. <laughs> you don't say. Just, just taking a wild guess. <laughs> he said, "This is the biggest diamond I've ever found on the beach." When he went to jewelers. They reportedly told him the precious gem set in a platinum ba- platinum band was worth forty thousand. Oh, couldn't believe it! He said. Two weeks later, Joseph began receiving calls from a number he didn't recognize. He initially ignored them. I would have too. Uh huh. But then realized it could be the owner of the room. Sure. He joined a video call with a couple from Jacksonville who had lost one that was similar. The wife said, "Oh my God! I can't believe it." And then she just started crying. Uh-huh. Three weeks after finding the ring, Joseph met the owners near the same beach in St. John's County uh-huh. and returned the piece. Did they bring some pictures, some photo evidence, a receipt or something? I don't know. He said, it felt really good, he recalled. I've returned $60,000 of stuff this year, but nothing could even come close to this before. So, you know, hey, man. I hope he's he, doing good things. Yeah. Okay. Great. Good. No, good for him. He's he a said, great guy. Yeah, he said he re- he really wasn't disappointed that he had returned it. I would be. <laughs> and is looking for owners of other rings he found in the past. He even wears a necklace with about 25 rings on it. Oh, he's crazy. Oh, okay, just, cool, cool, cool. Got it. Got it. Just so might just so he might be able to return this just to might the owners. Have to pluck a ring from around his neck hey, and man, give it back. Walk past like, hey, hey. I, I know that ring. Where did you find that ring? Oh, me? I just called me the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> he laughs like a maniac. Nice. Oh, he's nuts. Okay, cool. Got it. Karma's, karma's always good. Yes. Every time I return an item, I find something better. To give to someone So else. I'm happy. I could give it back. I guess he keeps some. He probably isn't telling you about all the dope stuff he finds and keeps. Yeah, but I, I feel like he walks around with a thing of rings on, and then he people come up to him. Hey, man, I lost a ring. Did you? What did you find that ring? And then he goes like, "The beach, the beach." He, he yeah, go, no, he goes exactly. Like, Let's say at the same time. Yeah. And then he both like, "The be- beach, yeah, yes, that's, that's exactly." Yes, that's Let him yeah. go just a little yeah. bit. <laughs> the mall, the mall. Hey, yeah, I lost it at the mall. Wow, yeah. that's crazy. You found my ring that I lost at the mall. Thank you so much. And you just go pawn it. Yeah. People are getting over on this guy left and right. Yeah, man. Forty bands. He's getting duped. Come on. But he, as long as he feels good about it, then that's great. He's doing a good service. Great. For, congrats. He must be rich. Maybe money doesn't mean everything. Who has time to go metal detecting? He must be either rich or low overhead. He's either rich or just has no expenses and just lives life like, you know, he's like a beach bum. Hmm. It's my guess. 
Anyway, here's my good vibe story, a story that's taking the true crime world by storm about a Texas woman who was kidnapped 51 years ago and was just this past week reunited with her family through DNA testing. For wow. Her. Yes. So as a baby. As a baby. Okay. Uh, a Texas woman who was kidnapped as a baby more than 50 years ago has been reunited with her family members thanks to a home DNA testing kit. Melissa Highsmith was just 22 months old mm. when a babysitter allegedly kidnapped her from her parents' uh, Fort Worth apartment in August of 1971. Highsmith's mother, Alta Apenteco, uh, Apentenko, who was working as a waitress at the time, placed an ad in the local paper in order to find childcare for her daughter. After a woman answered the ad, Apentenko, Apentenko hired her without meeting her first. The hmm. woman allegedly took Apentenko's daughter and never returned. Wow. Gotta vet him out. You gotta you gotta do that and first this meeting. Is in the 70s. I get that. But. Yeah. Apentenko, her husband, Jeffrey Highsmith, and her family members spent the next five decades searching for the missing child, even turning to social media in the digital age by creating a Facebook page called Finding Melissa. All the while, the grieving mother faced accusations from law from local law enforcement who suspected her of murdering her missing daughter. Family members told NBC Dallas Fort Worth. So that's what they said. Um, was, oh, in the seventies, that lady probably just disappeared. Then, yeah, just all she had to do was move a county over. So, after a recommendation from a genealogist, the family decided to find to use the home DNA testing kits, ancestry and ancestry and twenty three and Me, in an effort to track down Highsmith. The idea worked. A promising DNA match turned up turned up on 23andMe. Melissa Highsmith's sister, Victoria Highsmith, told NBC Dallas Fort Worth that the DNA match samples from Melissa Highsmith's children. Her parents then provided their own DNA samples. Within three weeks, the Highsmiths were reunited with their long lost daughter, who is now 53 years old. It was like boom, boom, boom. We found her, Victoria Highsmith said. I couldn't stop crying. I was overjoyed and I'm still walking around in a fog trying to comprehend that my sister is right in front of me and that we found her. It's a Christmas miracle. It's amazing meeting her. It was like looking into myself. She looks like me, like us. She's overjoyed to be in our lives. See, on, so on November 27th, the uh, family members shared a jubilant post about the reunion on, on the Facebook page, which has since been renamed We Found Melissa. The post included several photos of Melissa Highsmith hugging her parents and other loved ones. Um, our, our, our finding Melissa was purely because of DNA, not because of any police or FBI involvement. Damn. Podcast involvement. Damn. Or even our family's own private investigations or speculations. The family said in the post, DNA wins the search. According to NBC Dallas Fort Worth, Melissa Highsmith, who grew up believing her name was Melanie, lived most of her life in Fort Worth and had no idea she had been kidnapped. A spokesperson for 23andMe told NBC News that the company had never heard of an account like this one. There are really no words to describe how incredible this story is. We are so grateful Melissa and her family were able to reunite after such a long period of time. And we wish them all the best things, all the best in getting to know each other. The Fort Worth Police Department did not provide details about the case to NBC News, but stated that the officers were overjoyed to hear about the about how high how the Highsmiths used 20 used 23 and me and it led them to Melissa. 
The Fort Worth Police Department will be conducting official DNA testing to confirm Melissa's identity, and the department will provide an update once the official results have come in. This is according from a spokesperson that spoke on November 29th, uh, so just a couple days ago. The statement noted that no arrest can be made in Melissa Highsmith's case because the criminal statute of limitations expired 20 years after her 18th birthday. However, investigators are still working to uncover all information, all available information related to the kidnapping. What I will say is if the kidnapper who she believed who this uh, woman believed was her mother for like 50 years is still alive. She owes the birth mother a fade. She's got to run her that fade. If we can't take her to court legally and, and prosecute her to the fullest extent of the law, we got to meet up in a Lane Bryant's bathroom and you owe me five minutes in the bathroom. That's just period. That's just, that's just how we have to get down. Lane Bryant's still open? You know, old ladies love Lane Bryant. You know, I don't know if it's still open, but I think so. You know, they have clothes for everyone. So shout out to Lane Bryant. Uh, yeah, so that's okay. A, yeah, uh, they're a sponsor. So yeah, um, they are. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Lane Bryant is Lane, Laney B is not a sponsor of the podcast. But uh, yeah, so that was the that was the story of Melissa Highsmith being reunited with her family after fifty years. Uh, twenty years after it's twenty years after the statute of limitations, so the kidnapper cannot be brought up on charges on charges. But this is very similar to uh, the story of um, there's a woman something Mobley. She was kidnapped when she was a baby as well, and then she found out that all this happened, and her 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 mother who kidnapped her uh, was arrested and sent to prison, but she still loved her because she was the only mother that she knew, and she didn't get along with her biological mother because she because she had so much negative things to say about the woman who kidnapped her, but she was like, "That's my mom," mm. so you can't that that idea is super fucked up. Like this woman was kidnapped, but she wasn't kidnapped and like trafficked as a. You know, in some kind of dark situation, she was kidnapped and raised fine. I think. Yeah. So I'm sure she has some kind of love for the woman who kidnapped her. So that's got to be interesting. That's an interesting dynamic. So yeah, but yeah, you know, good vibes, man. Her family was reunited with her, but you owe that. She owes somebody owes that mama fade. You took my baby when I was had to work a the yeah. third third shift at the diner. No, that's crazy. Unacceptable conditions. Fran, before we get out of here, you watch anything good lately? Uh, no, oh. I'm not. <laughs> cool. um, oh, I do want to watch uh, that show Wednesday. I, I I hear some talks about Wednesday. Oh, the Adams Family, the Adams yeah, Family I wanna, show. I wanna yeah, yeah, that. yeah. Uh, Jenna Ortega, she's she's good. She's really good. Um, yeah, yeah. I haven't checked it out either. But recently, I went to the movies and saw Glass Onion. I don't know if that's on Netflix as of now, but I watched Glass Onion in the movie theater. Such a fun movie. It's a a, a spinoff of. The Knives, Knives Out, which I think I've told you, one of my favorite movies that's mm -hmm. come out in the last like five years. It's like a whodunit murder mystery type of movie. Mm -hmm. And the main character, Benoit Blanc, when you watch Knives Out, I didn't think of this being a possibility, but so I didn't know what the sequel was going to be when I heard they were making a sequel. I thought it was going to be the same cast and like they were going to follow up on the story. But what they've now done is they've taken Benoit Blanc, the main, the main character who's this like expert detective, and they're making him like a Jacques Cousteau or like a... Sherlock Holmes so the second the sequel to Knives Out is like a new mystery okay it's like a new thing it doesn't have anything to do with the first one it's just like drop him take this character drop him somewhere else and have him solve a new mystery and it's brilliant I want to see 10 more of these movies is it's, Knives Out on any streaming platform it's coming out on Netflix soon oh, okay. the movie was a Netflix I watched it in the movie theater and all the promotion was like net like the Netflix end was popping Knives up out? everywhere well the sequel to Knives Out I'm talking about Knives Out Knives Out was in the theaters and it wasn't a Netflix movie but it's not on no streaming platforms, though, is what I'm asking. 
Knives Out? Knives Out? I don't know. Oh. I don't know, actually. Knives Out might be on Netflix. I mean, uh, Glass Onion's on Netflix. So that's the sequel. So possibly, I don't know, though. That's a good question. I don't know the last time I've seen Knives Out. I think I own it. I think I have it on my Apple TV. But anyway, Glass Onion will be streaming on Netflix soon. It was so good, especially if you like Knives Out. You're going to love Glass Onion. It was so fun. Janelle Monae's in it. She's great. She is. Yes. Uh, it was so fun. Daniel Craig is good. Once again, this Benoit Blanc character will go down in history as one of those iconic. I think he's going to be like an iconic movie character. I didn't see it in the first one. I thought it was funny. I thought it was great. I thought it was a fantastic movie, but I didn't see what they were doing and what they were setting up. And now with the sequel, Glass Onion now tells me, oh, you can make five more of these movies and I'm in every time. Benoit Blanc is the new uh, Sherlock Holmes uh, Jacques Cousteau, like a brilliant detective. He's funny. He's got a great accent. Like he's like, um, what's that movie? What's that show? Uh, old people like. He's like Matlock. Mm. You know, he's like a just like an old. He's like a detective. He's brilliant, and and it's so fucking good, man. You said Glass Onion is on Netflix. It will be. Oh, it will so be. it's it's in theaters for a limited run, and then it's going to Netflix. So it'll be on Netflix probably by like mid December. I don't see, I don't see where Nas. I think you can buy it on Netflix. Though. I mean, you'll buy it on Amazon. Yeah, I think I bought it on Apple TV, I'm pretty sure. So that's what I watched recently. Uh, it's a fantastic movie. Highly recommend. If you can catch it in the theaters, go do so. So you can, you want to support good art and good movies, man. When these movies, when these kind of movies come out, go see them so that studios are incentivized to make these movies. I'm not a person who falls on that, like, Marvel has ruined cinema. I'm not, I'm not that person. But, like, if the only movies that make 80 to uh, $250 million are Marvel movies, then studios are not going to give people money to make why movies. They, why they ruin cinema? Why they say that? Well, because like people only go to the movies in droves to see big blockbuster movies. Oh, like like little small movies. Like Glass Onion isn't a a big budget movie. Yeah, but when I went to the movies to go see it, the first three showings, all the seats were sold out except for the front rows. Mm. Like it was, people came out to see this, and they're supporting it because it's good, and that's what you want to do. You want to? I'll watch it tonight. I'll check it. I'll buy it. What? Knives Out? Knives Out, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, should check out Knives Out. And if you like it, when Netflix streams uh, Glass Onion, check it out. I think you'd like Knives Out. It's funny. It's it's very, like, it's a mystery. Mm. So you're trying to catch clues okay. and stuff and, like, try to figure out who did it, who killed the person. Mm. That's It's one of those kind of movies. All right. So fun. And, yeah, so if you're hearing this and it's still running in theaters and you got some free time, go to the movies and go see Glass Onion, man. Because if not, movies like Avatar 2 are going to keep getting made. Avatar 2? Yeah. That's coming out soon. It needs to make like a billion dollars to break even. It's gonna fail miserably, and I love it. It's gonna be. It's gonna be like eight hours long. I'm not it's that, like I'm four not, hours I'm long. They already said it. It's like four hours long. Won't be watching that. Nobody will be watching it. If you're, I'm if you've been waiting for, huh? I'm watching in parts. That's what I'm saying. Got to take a break. Intermission. It's like it's a play. <laughs> if you've been waiting for Avatar two since 2009, you're a loser. I'm gonna say that. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not a person that judges. But if you're excited for Avatar two, go watch a good movie. Like, what are you talking about? It's a it's a video game trailer for four hours, man. Come on. Let's not support that shit. James Cameron's a great director. This ain't it. Let's move on. He wasted a bunch of money. A bunch of cool movies could have got made by that studio. He wasted like a billion dollars of their money. And they're making five of them. I don't think we'll see five. I don't think five comes out. I think they shelve it after two. I don't think Avatar 3 is going to come out. That's my guess, but we'll see. It's James Cameron's names on it, so that's up to him. But anyway, I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Franco Evans, and we'll see you guys next week. Deuces. <laughs>